So welcome everybody to another uh, Saferpedia and Salas uh, discussion. Uh, Amadeep, why don't you share what are we doing today? Yeah, um, so we basically, we have Javier and Jake um, online um, and they are our guests. We're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion in the workplace um, and just have a candid, frank conversation around experiences, share some stories, take away some learnings um, and yeah. Well, and I'm going to drill this actually down even further in because what we're really wanting to have an open conversation about and um, is, is how can we be supporting, more supportive of the LGBTQS2 plus communities in our workplaces, you know, as especially as um, health and safety professionals, mm -hmm. right? Because we are in a really great position where we can provide awareness. Um, we're very um, nurturing and empathetic people by nature, mm -hmm. right? And so it really positions us in a really good place to, to A, hear about like, what are the advocacy issues that have happened in the past or happening now that have impacted people's careers? and their journeys so that we can also, you know, bring to the table our resources and our gifts and our knowledge in a collaborative way. So that's just kind of couching the conversation for everybody who might be listening in in the audience, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to kind of kick it off if I can, Amadeep, by asking our our guests, you know, when you're thinking back, and I, I'm just going to dive really right into it, because you know, that's my style, is like, when you're thinking back about your own personal experience, coming in to to the workplace, right? Um, is there any um, areas that really kind of impacted you coming into the workplace? I'll throw it at Jag first. Yeah, so I, um, you know, thinking back, like I started my career when I was 22. So I was quite young in um, the self-discovery process as well. Um, I know I wasn't, at that age, I wasn't out to anyone except maybe one friend. So um, I think there was a lot um, of discovery I still had to do about myself and, um, you know, trying to, I feel like at that time I was more worried who's going to find out about me. You know, when I went to certain places, when I went into um, into the office, so that was something I was um, trying to find a balance with, right? So um, that was back in two thousand six. So things have changed a lot for me and in the workplace. Like I've noticed, um, there's just more discussions happening around these issues. People aren't afraid to talk about them, whereas I think before, and that might have just been my very young experience. Like I was pretty new. Um, out of, you know, high school, basically, at the time. Um, so I don't know if I had the same perspective as I do now, but I feel like, you know, I, I've done um, a number of, um, like, talks in schools or in workplaces, and just knowing, seeing the difference, people actually seem like they care more now, um, and they want to make it safer for their employees. So I think that's been a huge shift that I've noticed over the last I don't know how long that's been, 15 or so years. Okay, I'm going to drill down on a bit of what you said in mm. there in a moment. But Javier, I wanted to bring you in and if you could share maybe your experience entering into the workplace also. Absolutely. And, and I would like to talk, so I'm originally from El Salvador, small country in Central America, and I immigrated to Canada in 2004. So I came to Toronto directly. So I'm going to talk about my work experience uh, from the moment that I came to Canada. And uh, what I can say about that is that I was concerned about people finding out about me being gay. So at the beginning of my career uh, here in Canada, uh, I was presenting just the side of myself that I thought was work appropriate at the time. And I had experiences with, uh, with coworkers that when they found out about me being gay, didn't react very well. Some other people react well. And, and so that taught me, you never know. You never know in this context how people are going to react. 
And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to have a career. I wanted to be successful at what I was doing. So with that in mind, I, I decided that it was best for uh, my career progression just to be discreet about my sexual orientation. Um, so, so that definitely was, you know, I, I can call it a challenge at the beginning of my career. Obviously, as Jack was saying, things have changed quite a bit in the past several years. Although I can't say that, that today, it, you know, it's completely, you know, um, normalized, so to speak. You know, uh, sexual orientation is still not normalized in, in the workplace, as I think it should be. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, and I, I'm glad that we're we're kicking this off, um, having the conversation here, because what you both have said is something that has come through the years to from my own friends within the community, that feeling of having to hide a piece of who they are, mm. right? Which is why we wanted to open up this conversation, because nobody should be feeling that way. Absolutely. Right. Amadeep, did you want to chime in? Yeah. Um, I was going to say absolutely. Like growing up, especially being of um, the, the culture and the community being brought up in Vancouver as well, you're taught that there's a definition for being normal and that's what it is. And you need to stick within these parameters. And if you don't, then you're a deviant. And especially when it comes to sexual orientation as well. Like I remember being younger and exploring and just having that curiosity, but even so like you, you're just so refrained and it's all those social pressures. And again, going back to, I'm gonna take it one step further and say being of um, a visible minority and coming from the, the culture that we came from and Javier, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can agree to this too, or um, you, you can share a similar experience, but there are certain gender roles that are um, made for certain cultures like the, that they, they promote it. And so it's really hard to actually be yourself and to actually explore it and see exactly what it is that, um, th that you're experiencing or whatever it is that you're feeling as well. Yeah, definitely the cultural background has a lot to do with uh, your ultimately with the experience that you're going to have in the workplace. Um, yeah. And uh, my cultural background, just like yours, I'm in deep. I mean, I come from Latin America. El Salvador is a very Catholic country, uh, very conservative. So I grew up uh, thinking that being the way I am was wrong and that I needed to change and that I needed to be different. Um, so that's definitely something that followed me once I moved to Canada. Um, and I guess now that I think about it, it's not just that I, you know, I don't know that people were as uh, mindful of sexual orientation back then, or if it was just me because of my upbringing that felt that people were going to say something. I think it's a combination of both, but definitely the cultural background has a lot, a lot of uh, a big role in, in, in all of this. Can I also jump in and say something? I feel like, um... At least from my experience, you know, I had to act a certain way depending on where I was. So at home, you know, being in a Punjabi home, I had to act a certain way. With my friends who knew I could act a little bit different. At workplace, it was different. So you kind of had to um, mold yourself or morph yourself depending on how safe you felt with certain groups. Yeah. Uh, it's a constant, it's not like, you know, you're just, um, a straight person who gets to be themselves everywhere. You kind of have to pick and choose um, where you feel safe. Even with my my now wife, like when we were um, dating, even when after we got married, like if we'd be walking down the street holding hands and I saw an Indian person in the distance, I'd let go of her hand just right. by just out of fear of you know what an altercation. Never happened, but um, you're just always a little bit on edge or a little bit more aware. I, I don't feel that anymore, but that was a big part of my my journey for sure. And it's hard because it's almost like you're two different people and you can't be your true authentic self and, and just having that as well. And yeah, it's so true. Like um, even, <laughs> even with me, I was a bit rebellious growing up. And by rebellious, I mean, I went against a lot of cultural norms and standards that were instilled being 
a female uh, being Indo-Canadian, South Asian, East Indian. And so it's really hard. And I can't even imagine when it comes down to the way you live or the way you are to, to almost have like, it's almost like having a double life. So at home, you're one person. And then outside of the house, you're a completely different person. And and yeah. it, it's something that it's not just challenging, but also it kind of, it can affect your, your state of mind in the sense that I used to feel jealous. I mean, why me? That was the question of like, why is it like, look at all of this, you know, straight, you know, because, uh, you know, like, my personal opinion is that if the norm, the world was made around to make comfortable around, you know, straight white males, right? Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. Um, and it's just the way it is. It's nothing against them. It's, it's just a reality that I, at least from my opinion, and I would see people, you know, that would correspond to that description and living their life and being themselves all the time. And I'd be like, you know, I wish I could do the same thing and maybe a little, I mean, maybe jealous and make me a little bit bitter. Um, you know, if I were to be honest, I, I want to move the conversation also into advocacy issues that have been happening over the years. And, and I'm doing this because I want to bring awareness to the fact that everybody has not had the same rights equally over time right and so you guys said that you were coming into the workforce for you jag it was around 2006 and um for you javier you said it was when you were immigrating to canada about 2004. now right. can you remember back some of the advocacy issues that were coming forefront uh what were your thoughts about that and how did it impact your your life in the work world so when you mean advocacy do you mean like initiatives at the workplace mm -hmm. to make uh you know lgbtq2 plus people comfortable yeah like i re um i recall that back in 2004 was when the start of discussion about legalizing gay marriage um, came was coming out 2007 there were some human rights campaigns going mm -hmm. on right um so yeah in 2004 it was already legal to to be married um as a gay person and or lgbtq2 plus mm -hmm. um and but in terms of advocacy beyond you know gay pride in the workplace per se there was nothing you know it's not like today where you know, in my current place of work, we have, you know, employee groups that are sponsored by the company, you know, around sports books, movies, and, you know, uh, uh, around LGBTQ, to, you know, gay, the gay community, right? Um, and, uh, you know, that is, that is something that I've experienced at this particular company at my previous employer. But when I started uh, my professional life in Canada back in 2004, that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, it was pretty much you uh, uh, trying to figure out and navigate, you know, what part of yourself you could, you know, present to other people, like we were saying, and in which way. Um, but definitely, uh, in terms of advocacy, gay pride, you know, uh, and, and celebrating pride and pride month did make a difference, mm -hmm. right? You would see um, some people at their desk having the rainbow flag, mm -hmm. um, but it didn't go further than that. Um, so, in terms of advocacy, things have changed and evolved enormously in the workplace. But again, I'm, I'm going to repeat this a number of times, is we're not yet where we should be, in my opinion. Right. And Jake, did you want to jump in? Yeah, um, I don't know if it was so much like Javier was saying, like in the workplace, there wasn't much. But outside of that, I, I know um, what helped me tremendously was an organization called Share Vancouver. Um, they started up in 2008 um, and Alex Senga founded it for um, queer South Asians. And, you know, when I came across it, I was sitting in a cafe with my friend. I saw an article about gay six in Vancouver um, and I just, you know, zeroed in on it because up until then I thought I was the only queer Punjabi person in the world right there was no one to look up to there was nowhere to go to for um, these kind of support so having them um, in my life throughout like the past 14 years have been um, my earring fell out um, having um, 
you know, been involved with Share Vancouver has helped me grow tremendously. Um, they helped me come out to my family just by, you know, being able to point to my parents, hey, there are other folks like us out there. Um, and yeah, they've, they've just grown so much over the last few years. Um, it's a huge organization now with so many young, I feel like I'm part of the older generation now, I'm close to 40. Um, things are much different than in my early 20s, but now seeing the younger folks coming up uh, coming out especially is really, really great. Um, so yeah, they helped, uh, they're doing amazing work in the community, right? Like school presentations um, and just having resources for people who are in distress or who are struggling to come out to their families who might've been disowned. Like um, it's, it's really incredible. So I think just that kind of education, especially in the South Asian community where our parents didn't have the vocabulary they didn't have the knowledge, like um, it, it's doing huge things. And that, you know, if that affects my personal life, if I feel comfortable at home being out, I'm gonna be more comfortable in my day-to-day -day outside of my home. So there's a trickle trickle effect, right? And just to add to that too, um, like you're talking about before, so early 2000s, where there may have not been like a safe space or there may not have been just those platinum uh, platforms, those venues, or even people to understand. Um, I love the Share Foundation for what it is. Alex has done tremendous work uh, in terms of the vocabulary, reaching out, having that space, safe space, um, having platforms, educating, um, having the documentaries, which Jake was also a part of. Um, I, I think it's such great work and it's definitely, we're, we're pushing, we're trying to get there um we're not there yet as as Javier had said and I absolutely agree with that but I think through education knowledge training having these supports having these events put on um and such as this podcast as well it brings awareness absolutely and and if I may I think you know one should, shouldn't underestimate also the power of I mean we have responsibility each one of us you know, we have to do, I believe, our own advocacy because you can have all these programs, uh, you can have these groups, but you have to also, at the end of the day, create or make that difference in the workplace mm -hmm. and help people understand and feel comfortable with, um, you know, sexual orientation and, and, and gay and lesbian people and the community in general. Um, I've come to uh, a point in, in my career now where I don't think I need to be anything but me. Uh, and uh, that is what I present regardless of the environment that I find myself in. And don't get me wrong, it's scary sometimes. And I sometimes I go like, maybe I should tone it down. Maybe I shouldn't wear what I wear. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, talk about being gay the way I talk about being gay. But, but if I do that, then fear wins and nothing mm -hmm. changes, right? So when it comes to advocacy, I guess that's my point is like, we have a role to play and we should, we should be very, very mindful of that. I like that you brought that up because that that's one of the things like the young workers, when you're coming in, you were saying at 20 and whatever, um, and, and you had not yet um, shared with other people, mm -hmm. you know, um, your choice, you know, of, of, and, um, you hadn't yet come out and shared, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hesitating because I, I just the whole the the whole thing come out seems to me so oppressive. Nobody should have to feel like they have to come out. And so when you're seeing my struggle with wording and stuff, is because it makes me so sad mm -hmm. to even hear that, you know. Um, but but I know that it that's that's the truth is that it's a struggle to disclose. And so you. You know, I had a friend who um, who's transgender, mm -hmm. and uh, he had to go to work in his male persona, and then at night be the female persona. It just broke my heart seeing that, and I'm going to cry on camera, so everybody's just going to have to deal with it. You know, um, but the fact is, is that these are vulnerable workers, and our job is to help protect vulnerable workers, especially. Um, youth are vulnerable workers. So what can we be doing as health and safety professionals to help catch these people, you know, and, and help nurture 
and make them feel comfortable? Like, what can we be doing? Well, there's, go ahead, Jack, go ahead. Um, I, I feel like often companies will slap a pride logo on their, you know, website header or, you know, for one month they'll do that. Um, and it, it's not actually really doing anything for anyone. They're not actually creating safe places in the workplace. They're not providing support. Um, I think uh, I can speak to an experience I had yesterday. I did a, with our documentary Emergence, um, for those who don't know, it follows myself and two other queer Punjabi folks and our journey of coming out in our culture. And we presented at uh, Columbia College yesterday. And it was a room full of, um, you know, mostly international students from Punjab, I would say. And during the discussion afterwards, like during the Q&A panel, um, it was really touching. Uh, one person in the audience, a student, he felt comfortable. He was like, there's so much positivity. He's like, I've never done this in such a large group, but I want everyone to know I'm gay. And if anyone has any questions for me, please ask. Right. Uh, another uh, person came out as well. And the school, um, the librarian was there and she was saying that if anyone is in distress, if anyone is going to be um, in risk of losing their home or their family by coming out, come to us. We have supports in place. No one's going to lose their um, you know, student visa, no one's going to get sent back to India, you're safe here. So I think them having something in place where, because people do, you know, people are in these kind of positions, especially young folks who are here on student visas, um, they are very much at risk, right? Um, so having, that, that was incredible to see that they have supports. If someone's going to lose their home, they have procedures in place to help them. So I think that goes beyond just, you know, if they had put a Rain, change their logo to a rainbow. That's the end of the story. What is that doing for anyone? Nothing. It's just them kind of jumping on the bandwagon. It's a marketing ploy at that point, right? So I think if workplaces can have actual meaningful supports um, in place, if someone, like for example, with Share Vancouver, if someone reaches out to them who's in distress, immediately they will be paired up with a master's level counselor, right? Um, so those are the kind of things we need we can't assume everyone's coming out story is going to be safe we can't assume you know because everyone's cultural upbringing is different um, there's different issues that everyone's dealing with so having yeah i think that for me that's the biggest thing seeing um what's a workplace going to do for this person if, like you don't want to have them lose their job over this right um so yeah that's that's what i would say javier i'll, I'll let you Yes, oh, thank you. And, and um, I think that in terms of what organizations, corporations can do to help their employees, uh, you know, their LGBTQ2 plus employees feel comfortable um, is, is definitely, um, you know, just like we have presentations on a regular basis sponsored by HR around mental health, uh, around our benefits. Well, yeah. having around the, you know, the gay community, the challenges and, and having those kind of initiatives uh, that make you feel that it's okay to be you. Another thing that my company does that I think it's fantastic is that June is Pride Month, mm -hmm. right? And they have all sorts of, and, and it's widely announced across the organization. There are, uh, you know, presentations and talks and activities around Pride. And, you know, as an employee, you go like, okay, I can, I can be comfortable here. I can be myself. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, having also access to, um, uh, uh, you know, psychological support services uh, in case uh, of being, you know, in a tough situation and, you know, being a difficult coming out uh, situation because, you know, it could be that you're doing well at work in terms of being accepted, but not necessarily at home or outside mm -hmm. of work. And that's going to affect the, you know, your your behavior in the workplace. So having, uh, you know, an outlet, you know, uh, that you can call and talk to somebody that can support you and a company providing that kind of service and promoting that kind of service, because if nobody knows about it, then what's the point, right? I mean, it, it doesn't change anything. So. Uh, I, as I talk about it, I think there's a number of things that a company could do, but it's, it's important that they promote them, right? Just having them for the sake of having them is not enough. They have to be pushed 
almost towards, uh, you know, um, to the employees. And I feel like if it's not pushed, then, you know, let's say that was me, I'm struggling, I, I want the support, it's not really talked about, I don't want to be the only person, you know, asking about it or reaching out. But if it's made normal, if this goes out more often, then it's like, okay, this is just a support, there's no judgment, I can feel comfortable. Um, yeah, especially for people who are closeted, like that's a fear of being exposed, right? So you don't want to feel like you're the only one. And, you know, all eyes are going to be on you if you reach out for that. I like what Aaron said. That kind of fits with me being like a, a straight person is invite in, mm. right? I think that's very beautiful because that's what I feel like if somebody is, is trusting me with something that they're frightened to share with the rest of the world right now, um, I feel like I've been invited in. So that's really um, comforting to hear that kind of word. Now, uh, Steve, you had some, some thoughts, some questions. Did you want to unmic and ask? You're muted. <laughs> okay, sorry there about you that. Because you were saying it, it comes down to how management works with the real issues. So let's get beefy here. I know you're going to do that for us. What do you mean by real issues? All right. So as a business owner, manager, um, you have to look every individual as an individual, not as a label. Correct. So... And I'll relate real quickly, one experience, and this is just one out of many, but we had a transgender welder who came into our shop, wanted to work, and all the other guys were like, ah, this is a, you know, he's a whatever. Um, I won't say the word, but, and I'm like, who cares? Can they weld? Can they do the job? Can they perform? And in the same time, this gentle man, woman um, was our best welder we ever had. So he quickly earned everybody's like, and so it's, it was just like an eye-opening experience for everybody that work for our company that, hey, we're gonna send out our top guy or girl. And he, you know, was in between at the time and performed better than anybody else in the company. Right. So it doesn't boil down to a gender. It doesn't boil down to a, it really is, how do you perform on the job? And then are how you, do how are those supervisors, managers, et cetera, providing authentic support for individuals? Is that well, what I'm hearing you say? Yes. I mean, it, it, it boils down to a an acceptance of that if the person is in the workforce and they can do the job, I don't know about the rest of society. I can't judge that. But I know in the workforce, how do you perform? I don't care if you're gay, you're straight, you're crooked, you know, whatever. But, you know, well, crooked is a little bit different, but uh, I, I think um, I think you need to be, everybody needs to be judged on their ability. So it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, it doesn't matter what color your hair is, what color your eyes are, doesn't matter. Thanks, and, Steve. Go ahead, Javier. And I would like to say, like, when it comes to health and safety professionals, actually, it's something that came to my mind while I was, uh, while I was listening to Steve, is that there are industries where it's more difficult to be um, gay than others, right? And I think health and safety professionals should be acutely aware of that, Yeah. right? If you are working for a certain type of company uh, where because of the population that works there, it's less of an issue, you're going to have a certain type of programs 
to support the gay community or LGBTQ2 plus community. If you know that you're working in an industry where there's a lot more stigma, then you might want to implement, a, you know, a different types of program, probably somebody a little bit more aggressive and more in your face almost. Another thing I was going to say was, um, so me, myself personally, being brought up in the trucking industry and then later on in my life getting into construction as well. Um, a lot of times, like I absolutely agree with Steve, there was very little acceptance. So if you didn't fit a certain type of mold or if you were um, anything apart from what the that normal, the norm was, um, you were either um, shunned or uh, individuals just want to engage and, and socialize with you. Um, there were jokes that were made um, when I was up in, I was working up in Fort McMurray, staying in camps as well. Um, everything was very, it, it was heavy on, on the gender based. Mm -hmm. uh, right down to the camps where some of them, they, they would ask you, okay, um, do you prefer to stay in the male side or do you want to stay in the female side of the wing? And, and you could tell that there were um, people that uh, were of the queer community. Um, they didn't identify as being um, heterosexual or, or straight. And it was just a very awkward and uncomfortable um, place to be. Mm -hmm. And I being straight, um, I never could really relate, but I could try and empathize with them. Um, and then coming back to Vancouver and it wasn't until recently and lately that there have been the conversations, there is the training, there is the resources. I still feel like we're not doing enough and, and we're not there, but we're, we're trying um, but then, yeah, it does, it throws you off and, and I try and promote it wherever I can. I, especially being, um, a part of associations and committees where you're, you're trying to promote that inclusivity and that diversity, and you're trying to educate people right down to how you phrase things and verbiage terminology. Um, I was recently at this leadership training put on by the, um, BC center for, um, women in the trades, BCC WIT, and they actually had some training on uh, the queer community and how you can open up those conversations in a workplace. So again, like construction industry, it's very rough around the edges, um, but I think it's all these small steps that we need to take, and especially as individuals as well. Yeah. In my experience also, um, you know, I, I've noticed in conversations when we're talking about what have we done for the weekend, um, I can take ownership to say, so, so, um, Amadeep, what did you and your partner do this weekend? Right? And then allow you to come into the conversation and self-identify how you want to term your partnership with whomever, as opposed to saying, Oh, Emma Deep, um, what did you do with your boyfriend? Because right there, I've automatically made an assumption about your own your sexuality. I've labeled you. Well, right? but that is Go part ahead. Of, that is part of the challenge, right? Like, I mean, what you just said is part of that's when I say we're not where we're, we're supposed to be. Like for people that first meet me, you know, the default is going to be whether I like it or not, is like they're going to think have you strict. Right. And the questions and the conversations are going to go around it. I make a point, you know, this is when I try to be as out as possible for people to realize that I'm gay from the get go. So I don't get questions about girlfriends and, you know, well, I mean, gay couples have kids too, but, you know, I don't, I don't have kids and things like that. And, and, and just to show how uncomfortable people can be um, around starting the conversation. I'm going to give you, you were talking about starting conversation about it. Like, how do you, go in and, and talk to somebody who you think might be part of uh, the, the gay community about, you know, their life. And I'm going to give you an example of what I experienced at work. So, you know, um, I, I've seen many, many times people asking other people, oh, do you have kids, right? They ask them directly. It's a normal question. Nobody was, is going, has ever asked me, are you gay? Ever. However, I know for a fact that they go and ask other people, is Javier gay? 
And when come, people come and tell me this, you know, I go like, well, I'm glad you told them the truth, which is that I'm gay, but why didn't they ask me? Why, the question I have in my mind is, why are they uncomfortable coming to me and just asking me that personally? Why do they have to ask other people? Well, because they're not comfortable yet with the topic. Yeah, or society's programmed us to be uncomfortable. Correct. The problem is, is that just people in general are conditioned, I think, mm -hmm. to think a certain way. So if I see an attractive woman, an attractive woman, attractive guy, if I have a conversation around that, that makes everybody uncomfortable. Maybe even the people that you're talking about. But the bottom of the line is, who gives? Who cares? It shouldn't be anybody else's business but yours. Exactly. I mean, I have two daughters and a son. And I mean, as far as I know, they're all heterosexual or straight. But even if they weren't, who cares? Right. But this is, but like you said, society is not conditioned. People are not conditioned to actually, even if they think that. So how do you do that? Well, this is, this is where all of us need to make an effort to, to change the situation, right? Um, this is where, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed of, even if they don't ask us about our weekend to talk about our it's weekend. Not even ashamed is a bad word. Well, a concern, right? Like, I mean, there's in, in, a prof in, in a corporate environment, you know, it's people are always concerned or mindful of what is it that they're projecting things that they should say, things that they shouldn't say. And that extends, obviously, in a particular way to uh, sexual orientation, right? So, uh, you know, uh, something that, that, that can help people get more comfortable is used in a spontaneous way going like, oh, this weekend with my boyfriend, I did this and this and that, right? Who cares? Right, exactly. And everybody starts, you know, as you do these things, you normalize the conversation. People are more comfortable talking about it. Right. Um, Let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So question for <laughs> uh, Javier and Jake. Growing up and especially getting into that corporate world and uh, in, into that workplace, uh, did you find that you had any allies or was there anybody that you could um, trust or, or have that one person at work where you, you could share that, that piece about you? Um, for me, it wasn't really like company led. I just ended up becoming friends with a woman who, um, you know, happened to be very um, accepting. Um, and that was, she was probably my first friend in life who I came out to actually. Um, that was just by coincidence, but if she wasn't there, no, like absolutely not. Um, and, and I just wanted to say also one thing, like it, it shouldn't just be a matter of, um, someone going, let's say a trans person, like Steve, you were saying, going into a workplace um, and relying on them to prove themselves, you know, that, that shouldn't be enough. There should be training, there should be educational, um, you know, speakers or whatever it is um, that's constant, not just for June, but year round, mm -hmm. um, because otherwise it kind of feels like a bunch of hyenas going after someone, right? Um, they have to work even harder. We have to, as people of color, we have to work even harder to, oh, we're always proving ourselves, proving ourselves that we're good um, as, as good as, you know, um, straight people or cis people, people who are born in the, um, you know, gender they were born in. It shouldn't be a matter of always having to prove ourselves, right. you know, right. and just telling these, these guys, like, can they do the job? It, it, they should have a certain level of training that they come in with or that they're provided so that it's not always that situation because the next person could be much more vulnerable than the one who succeeded, let's say, in the job. Um, there should be more supports, I think, rather than, you know, hoping they, hoping they. I agree. And upper management at any company or any organization should understand that. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you have an open mind, you can learn anything. Yeah. And that, let's say this trans person had a great experience. This person, you know, um, felt comfortable at the company. They, you know, got promotions. They'll tell their friends, you know, um, other members of the LGBTQ community will feel comfortable applying at this workplace because they know it's safe. So that's how you do it. You may, you treat one person, you know, or treat everybody the same. Other right. people are going to work there. And then, you know, you get the, you get the um, benefit of having amazing. You get, the best, you get the best people. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's how it starts. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of work there that, um, and, and it needs to be ongoing. It's not just one time thing. It's not like, oh, this person, you don't know who's gay. You don't know who's trans. So you have to just assume that there are people in your workplace who are, um, whether you know it or not. And how are you gonna make them feel comfortable without making it a huge deal that we're gonna point this person out, you know, let's, let's do the training um, properly. I wanted to kind of, um, ask the two of you if you could maybe share from your work experiences, right? And because you've got a wealth of um, experience being in the workforce between the two of you for sure. What would you recommend for professionals who are responsible for creating um, and implementing health and safety programs in organizations to be thinking about when considering the needs of the community? Um, well, something that's been done uh, or is starting to be do be done, you know, in, in companies more and more is be mindful of pronouns. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, when, again, talking about assuming, like, I think one of the biggest roadblocks is just the fact that people are assuming that you are, that your sexual orientation is this and that, and then that blocks you from being yourself. So by you proactively going like, you know, and, and, and this is, a, I've been to sensitive training uh, around gender at, at, at the company. This is something the company has pu has pushed on us and, and it's fantastic. One of the questions now that you can ask somebody when you meet them is what are, what are your pronouns, right? So, so it, and that is a simple thing that can make a really big difference. Mm -hmm. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, the more we normalize that, and that's, you know, to help people, um, you know, not assume, which is a huge thing. So I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't even remember what your question was now. Sorry. Um, well, what are your recommendations for the professionals who are responsible for creating and implementing um, health and safety programs? Because remember, there is a health piece of it mm -hmm. as well. Um, there's safety, which is people's physical safety in the work environment, but there's also the health aspect for people's um, mental health and emotional health in the workplace. And I think one of the things that you guys both brought up before, which is very valuable, is when, when there are supports and there are programs, et cetera, normalizing the use of them, mm -hmm. right, and helping navigating people. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit more because I don't think that um, health and safety professionals who are very much in that role of being able to do so nurture enough to those programs. What are other people's thoughts? I think, uh, you know, I think the first thing that health and safety professionals need to understand is that this is still an issue, right? Being uh, gay, lesbian, LGBTQ2 plus in the workplace is still an issue. The worst thing I think a health and safety professional can, 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 can do is just assume that because for them it's not a problem, that it's not a problem for anyone, right? So th that, would be, that would be the best beginning if you ask me. And then obviously, you know, all of these programs, all of these talks that like Jack was saying need to happen throughout the year, not just during in June, well, none of that would happen if it weren't encouraged by management, right? Like this is part of a comprehensive program that needs to be um, elaborated by, you know, health and safety professionals um, for the employees in a company, right? As opposed to one-off, you know, initiatives. I think, um, I think health and safety professionals should, should be thinking in a holistic way right? What are our priorities? What are the values of our company? And how do we transmit that to training through uh, talks, through presentations, um, uh, through participation in different uh, sorts of events, 
and, and, and how do we promote it so that people feel in, included and comfortable in the workplace and ultimately they end up being healthy individuals. Exactly. And, and I think also in those positions, they should have either queer, um, you know, professionals on those health and safety committees, or they should have advisors who are from the queer committee community. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's a bunch of straight people telling queer people, here's how we're going to help you, which Correct. is doing you a disservice. Um, uh, and also, I disagree. Hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, I, I'd love to hear. Um, yeah. I, let me. I just want you to finish up. Um, for example, here uh, in BC, like in Surrey, there's a huge South Asian population. In those kind of businesses and organizations, um, it shouldn't be a whole bunch of white people, white straight people, you know, because they don't understand. And this is the same for often people looking for therapists and counselors. If I'm, um, you know, a brown person going through this, a white straight person isn't necessarily going to understand the nuances of my culture and why certain things are the way they are, right? Um, so I think there needs to be that. Um, but yes, Steve, I'd love to hear why you disagree with that. Sorry, just to add to Jags, um, it's funny that you say that because when I was looking around for a counselor, I was looking for somebody that could relate. And that that's a huge piece of it. You need to have somebody where they can empathize that they have somewhat of a similar lived experience because they actually truly understand and then they get it as well. So yeah. absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. You, you need to have that representation when we talk about, you know, it's funny how inclu inclusion and diversity for some, some people, and even recently, it's just a buzzword, but what does it really mean? Like, have you actually taken time out to educate yourself and inform yourself? Do you work or deal with uh, anybody of the queer community? And what does that even look like? Just because you may be straight and you haven't experienced it, that doesn't negate or take away from the fact that you are responsible to educate yourself and having these um, committees and boards and whatnot as well, you need to have somebody that can be relatable and that can relate to this. So absolutely agree with you 100%. And I mean, just to, just to prove, you know, to open up the discussion, Amandeep and I tried to find somebody in health and safety from the queer community. And we know they're there. We know that there are people there, but they're so scared that they they didn't, nobody wanted to come forward. Right. right. But, that but, says something to to Amadeep and I. But what are you, what did you do then? Like, I mean, if you know somebody would be good at the role and you know that this person is part of the community, why don't you just go and say, hey, you know, we have this role. I think you'd be perfect for it. Have you thought? Oh about no, I meant come on the podcast, Javier. All right, so I did so come today I, on the podcast because they, they didn't want to have other people know, right? If I, if I can't re rebut right? what Jag and yeah, I was just, I was saying. yeah, yeah, uh, that, but just to answer your question, Javier, is that, um, that's why like we tried, but to come on the podcast, right? So we, it was hard it was, it was hard to find somebody like we can have, a candid conversation and I, I have plenty of friends in the queer community but when it comes to talking about it or coming out or um, being on a podcast where it's being recorded a lot of times um, people don't want to and I totally respect that I absolutely oh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's why Javier yourself and Jay like I yeah. thank you guys from the bottom of my heart because we we need to ha have this education we need to have these conversations yeah. Steve, and I, I know you want to say something, Steve. Oh, <laughs> I'm just chomping at the bit here. I know. All right. So to um, address the issue of people not being able to identify, I don't think you necessarily, and Amanda and Jag, if you're looking for a counselor, you really want somebody who's kind of little off kilter that who understands and you're making the assumption that all white guys, you know, in management don't understand that is not true. I, th I think, well, I think, you know what, Steve, I think you're making a very point. I think there's just like there has to be sensitivity towards us. We have to have sensitivity towards 
you know, people that would fall under what we call the norm, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not, I think the, the way you present things, and it wasn't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Steve, anybody was trying to say that you don't get it. We're talking in general terms. And the fact of the matter is that it does happen, right? I understand that. And, and it's more about lived experience. It's not, um, it's not that you, I'm not saying that everyone doesn't understand. There's a certain level of experience that Javier, I, I, if I went to you, I think you would understand a lot of the struggles. You know, you would be, I would be able to relate to you um, in a way that I would feel comfortable. He's been through this journey. You've been through, you know. Um, Is somebody judging you? Wh what do you mean right now? So, no. If you went to a counselor, would they be judging you? Um, not, I'm not afraid of being judged. It's about them not. That's not their role. Their role I, is to help you. It is, but I I agree with Jag in the sense that every individual, every person, we have our pre-built biases, stereotypes. We have experience. You can yeah, that's educate somebody. There, there's education and then there's experience. So somebody could be as educated as possible, but subconsciously still hold those, um, again, stereotypes, biases, lived experiences. And in order for- No, it's, it's their motivation. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that no two counselors are the same. So I've, I've right. seen a few in my time. Um, my counselor that I have right now currently she can relate to a lot of things that I express that I tell her um, because she's got very similar lived experience. So her background, she's uh, East Indian, South Asian, um, Indo-Canadian, brought up in the same relatively same time, same time period, same area. And so when I talk to her about my concerns, my issues, my everything, Everyone's got issues. I have mine. So every time I'm talking to her or I have a session, I even with have her, mine. So it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, no one's perfect. And uh, she can relate. And then based off that, like we have good, constructive, healthy uh, conversations. But yeah, I but think I would that's have a one -on that's a one on one connection. Yeah. So, but if she were a white wasp, you know, whatever. Yeah. Would you have that same connection? I don't think I would because going back to those those lived experiences. Um, and another example I have is uh, one of my friends, he is uh, of the queer community. And right now he's specifically seeking and looking for a um, queer sensitive counselor, but they're so hard to come by. And I never realized that. Again, there's certain things being straight that you just take well, for granted. If you're and I want, I just want to bring counselor. Up. Hang on one sec. Yeah. Well, I just see, no, I'm sorry. I, we have it. only five minutes, so I'm going to okay, cut sorry. this off and navigate back, right? Yeah. Um, because this is health and safety, what we're talking about. So I want to stay inside the realm of our audience who are health and safety professionals. And so they're out there saying, okay, well, you know, we're not talking about counselors. We're talking about me in the organization as a health and safety person. And so one of the things that you brought up and I thought is very valid point is that when you're making committees, when you're putting things together, get individuals from different backgrounds into those committees. And to be upfront with you, Steve, that's a very fair comment because a lot of times in health and safety committees, I even notice that it's mostly one one race of people on those committees often, right? So I, I think that there's val validity in us taking a step back as health and safety professionals and saying, how and are we, mind. yeah, having, how are we intentionally, what are we doing to intentionally with our, our ways of doing things, bringing people together? And mm -hmm. even in training, right? Everybody talks right. about training. But training is another tool that you can navigate people to collaborate and come together who don't often work together. I know when I did my training, I would actually buddy employees up with people they don't typically work with and then send them back out into each other's departments together and just there help to build rapport between employees. 
So what other ideas might you guys have that you could share with us that we could be doing? Um, if I may, I think something that would be extremely, um, uh, that, that would help health and safety professionals um, you know, with these programs and try to figure out what to do is to look at this holistically, right? When we're talking about, um, you know, making people feel comfortable, whether they are of the LGBTQ community, it's, you know, when it comes to diversity, talking about diversity in general, that also includes, for example, the role in women, the role of mm -hmm. women in, 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 in corporate environments, right? So I think we have to be, I, I, I mean, we have to acknowledge what the issues are, number one which is we're not all treated equal, right? And who are then these people that are being not treated in, you know, on, a, on an equal platform as everybody else? Um, and that could be gay people, that could be lesbian people, that could be women, right? So build a program that is comprehensive, that addresses all of those um, injustices, so to speak, uh, so that you really are pushing for diversity in the workplace. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, by, by creating the programs, right? So first of all, you acknowledge that that's a problem. And then you create a series of talks, uh, presentations, you bringing people in from the outside, depending on what the objective of the presentation is, right? It doesn't have to be necessarily internal people that do this. You can hire external consultants, or you can hire, or, or you can ask somebody from an association that like the one Jack works with, uh, to come and, and, and make a presentation about, you know, the, the challenges of the particular community they, they provide services to. But, and, and it has to be an ongoing work. And it has to be something that happens that is consistent in time, knowing that the end result, this is going to be, a, it's, it's a slow process. Things are not going to change overnight. So that's, that's not, that, that's important to, for health and safety people to remember because they're going to go to these management meetings and they're going to, the managers, the CEO is gonna go, okay, what have you done this, this, this quarter? How can you measure success, right? And that was my next question. How do you measure that? Um, well, because you can do surveys, right? You do surveys that are anonymous and you can ask people, you know, a series of questions that will give you an indication of how comfortable and happy they are in the workplace. And one of the- And beyond that, you can do surveys all day long. Well, you can do surveys and then you can look at the population in your organization, right? I mean, exactly. you start seeing, you know, diversity and people being comfortable being themselves, you know, in the workplace, then you know you've done a good you job. Measurement yeah. in, you measure it in employee satisfaction and how long employees stay. Yeah. I, and I, I'm just going to grab the mic here for a moment because we are up on our time. Um, you know, so I'm just going to ask Javier and Jag if you have last thoughts that you would like to, to leave with our audience before we do go. Jag, you go first. <laughs> um, I think, you know, having this conversation is a great start. Um, it gets us, you know, if, if we each learned one thing or we're going to take one thing away, and that's, that's why we do these kind of things consistently. Um, that's why we do them on a regular basis. So every time you learn something new and you're going to hopefully implement something, you're, you'll go back to the management team and say, hey, let's think about this, right? So ongoing conversations. And um, I think really making an effort to make it an inclusive and diverse workplace, because at the end of the day, like you want, you want employees, like Steve was saying, you want employees to stay for a long period. You don't want, you know, high turnover means something that says something, right? So um, we want to create, I think, safe spaces for people where, you know, they'll promote it too. like come work for this company. They're great. Mm. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, let's take also responsibility for the role that we each one of us needs to play. Um, training and presentations and, and all of those programs are, are obviously necessary. But at the end of the day, we are all changing the world in our own way. And I think we should all feel empowered and know that the way we behave, the way we talk to people, um, uh, that makes a difference around you, right? So straight people, don't be afraid of, you know, asking somebody, are you gay or do you have a boyfriend? Gay people, don't be afraid of just being you, mm -hmm. right? If you don't step out of your comfort zone, things are never going to change and things need to change because we are not in a fair uh, playing field at the moment. 
I love that. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Um, so with that, we're going to um, close it out. Um, Javier and Jake, thank you so much again. Thank you so yes. much for being so candid, just being so authentic and being true. Um, thank you to the audience, Steve, uh, everybody for coming out as well. Uh, Tamara, you're absolutely awesome. Um, and yeah, absolutely. So definitely check out those resources. Um, Jake had mentioned share. So that's sharevancouver.com. Lots of information. Uh, we also, Tamara and I, we reached out to, um, I believe it was Pride Work. Um, there's lots of resources there. Uh, you can find Javier and Jake both on uh, LinkedIn. Um, if you guys Google their names, absolutely. You can, you can find them there as well. And yeah, tune in. We're going to be back next month as well. Um, and we'll definitely be sending that out. So thank you to everyone. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you again. You. Later. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.